Hi, and welcome to episode 76 of the Great Answer Europe podcast. My name is Andre, and with me as always, my co-host, Osaid. What's up, brother? What's up, man? And with us today, we have a special guest. We've got wide receiver from the Stockholm Mean Machines. It's Matthew Retzleff. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Good to be here. Fun to have you on. Uh, before we get started here, uh, we're here to remind you that it's a new year and a new season is just around the corner. So get yourself ready with fresh new football gear. And what better place to get your gear than the biggest reseller in Scandinavia, Context Sports. What makes Context Sports unique is its relationship with brands like Rydell, who give them the exclusive license to sell their products in Sweden, Norway, and Finland. If you have any questions to the guys at Contact Sports, feel free to contact them on their website or visit their store in person. And if you are interested in what happens behind the scenes, visit their YouTube channel. When you order at contactsports.se, remember to use our code SHITSHOW to get 5% off your purchase. And reminding you right now as well, uh, we recently released our very own Gridirons, Gridirons of Europe merch. And if you go on to contactsports.se, you can go find our merch and you support us and Contact Sports if you order our gear. And you get to sport awesome looking t-shirts and the most comfortable hoodie you'll ever find. So back to the episode now. So tell us, where did football start for you? This is the basic question we have in the beginnings. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I think probably football started even before I was even born. Um, my grandfather, uh, Fred Spiegelberg, was a high school football coach in my hometown of Medford, Oregon. That's in the southern part of the state, southern part of Oregon. And, you know, both my uncles played. My mom was a cheerleader, this and that. And then when I was born, I was pretty much born into the sport uh, right away. You know, as soon as I, you know, could catch or, you know, walk or anything, I had a football in my hand. Um, I think my first season I was allowed to play was in Pop Warner. They called it Mighty Might Football. You know, it's, uh, I think I was eight years old, you know, small body, big helmet, big shoulder pads. You know, my mom was just so excited. Just throw me in there as soon as she could. You know, and of course, I was excited growing up, you know, watching football on Saturdays, Sundays, even Friday night football at, at the high school, at our local high school. And then, you know, from there, uh, of course, you're trying out all the sports, you know, whether it's soccer, basketball, you know, track, you name it. You know, I tried it. Uh, by the time I ended high school, I narrowed it down to basketball and football. And, you know, of course, I absolutely love basketball. Um, I love football. Um, I got three schools that were interested in me that allowed me to go there um, or that wanted me to go there. Offers varied a little bit. Um, and then one school actually offered me to play basketball for them and be kind of like their walk-on player. Um, it was a small NAI school in Klamath Falls at OIT. The coach there, he's a famous coach. His name was Danny Miles. And he said, Matt, you know, we'd be more than happy to have you come try out with us and, you know, join. But uh, in the U.S. is very expensive, and uh, Southern Oregon University was a lot of scholarship to play. You never tried out hockey because you have the hair for it. <laughs> 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 you know, I, uh, 
there is so i think there is a small semi-pro or local hockey team in southern oregon however in at least in our part of the state you know it wasn't as popular as it was in say you know the eastern part of the u.s or you know right now even like in nevada nevada's popping up they just started had it has have a new nhl team and people are starting to play hockey down there but no, I never ended up going on the ice rink and competing with hockey. But I mean, I went to a few birthday parties, you know, where you, you could play hockey, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, in Oregon specifically, I, I don't think there's too many times where it gets cold enough where you'd be able to skate outside. And the closest yeah. NHL franchises are in San Jose and Vancouver. So like you're yeah. you're quite you're quite far away from both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had I think there was one or maybe two kids from our our area who actually did really well and went off to college to, you know, get a play hockey in college. And but I think other than that, it wasn't as popular as as other places in the U.S. Does it rain as much as the rumors are in Oregon? Say that. Does it rain? Does as it much? rain? Um, you it's know, the only rumor I heard of Oregon is it's raining. I would say I would say for sure more close to Portland and in Washington. It probably gets a little bit more rain. Where Medford's at, we're probably only about 45 minutes from the California border. So, you know, unfortunately, the past few years, it's been a serious drought where they have not gotten that much rain at all, where, you know, lakes are dried up. But luckily this winter, it's been a lot better with the rain. But um, I think it could be over-exaggerated. But I think for, for sure Seattle, for sure Portland, but the more south you go towards California, it's not going to get as much raining. Because wasn't the rumor about Russell Wilson getting drafted by the Seahawks is it rains a lot, so he'll probably grow there? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that didn't last, you know. That, that's, a, that's a wild claim. Yeah, yeah. That's a good joke, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. But how, how, how did you end up uh, over here in Europe? You've been playing with the Stockholm Mean Machines uh, for the past two seasons if I've got my facts straight and uh, you're heading into season three, but how'd you end up here? How did you discover football in Europe? So that's a really good question. You know, just like any sort of, you know, young sports fanatic, you always want to play at the highest level and play professionally. And of course it was always my goal to go to the NFL and, you know, play at the big time. Um, Actually, it's kind of funny, you know, We, if we're going to get into it, um, at a high school, you know, it's always tough to decide where you're going to go to college. And the schools that were looking at me was Portland State, Linfield, and then Southern Oregon University. Um, Portland State offered me a walk-on shot to go. And of course, that's the a Division One um, FCS, or no, Division One. it's um, FCS, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and their program was kind of lacking a little bit, but, you know, I had a lot of friends up in the Portland area that ended up going there and had a great time. Um, Linfield, great division three school, have a lot of culture. Unfortunately, it was a private school, so they weren't able to hand out athletic scholarships. And with the private school, tuition was just as expensive. Um, but I was very close to deciding to go to Linfield, but I think Southern Oregon University was the right fit. And I'm very happy, very fortunate that I had the opportunity to play there. Another route I didn't look at, and, you know, I always think in the back of my mind, you know, what if, 
was I didn't think about going to the junior college route where I could have went down to California, you know, played with guys more my age right away, you know, developed a little bit, you know, quicker or not quicker, but, you know, would have had another opportunity to make it to the division one program. Yeah. They, they've got some really good Juco programs there yeah. all over California. hundred percent. And, you know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's hard for a small college athlete, no matter how good you are to really get a look. Um, I think uh, at my school, when I was a sophomore, we had a quarterback, very special guy. His name was Austin Dodge. He got picked up um, as a free agent to the Atlanta Falcons, did a camp there, um, and then got rights to go to the Canadian League and then ended up, he was just done with football. Our kicker, actually, his name was Aldrich Rosas, did about, I don't know how many seasons in the league, but I think he was with the New York Giants for a little bit and he was around, but he just had a big leg to be a small college athlete to make it to the professional league in the NFL is uh, is a huge task. And I was able to go to a regional combine in Seattle for the Seattle Seahawks, where they had a few scouts. And if you did really good there, then you get invited to Indianapolis to the big combine. And, you know, this is big time, you know, these are, you know, not any Joe blows coming from the street. These are guys that come from, you know, division two, II, division three, um, division one, obviously, who just did not get that invite to Indianapolis. Um, so I felt honored that I was able to go up to Seattle with uh, another teammate. His name was DJ Willingham. Um, and uh, we went up there and, you know, thought we did a good job. But unfortunately, uh, you know, I ran a 4.640. You know, I didn't jump as high as I should and competed a little bit in the one-on-ones. And, you know, it's it's not – I'm not saying that's like an, an excuse why I didn't get a chance. But, you know, you need to have those kind of numbers – to be able to move on to the next step. So when I realized, you know, after that, and then I did a few Canadian league tryouts that wasn't really going to happen. Then I started branching out and looking at options over in Europe. And this was my last year at Southern Oregon university was in 2016. And then I was training in 2000, January, 2017 for the combine. And then, and then 2017 comes rolling around. You realize February, March are times when these European teams are signing their players. Yeah. So these coaches, they're like better shot next year. So in 2017, I stayed home. I trained my ass off. I was coaching at my high school. So I was able to get my coaching experience throughout that time. And, and I got in contact with one of my college coaches. His name was Matt Atkins and Matt Atkins is, you know, if you're in Carlstead Nation, you kind of know who who that name is. And Matt did, I think, two or three seasons with Carlstead. I think in 2012 or 2013, 2014, and 2015. And throughout that time, his Thirsch Hermotson. And he said, Matt, you need to reach out to Anders. May he rest in peace. Yeah, may he rest in peace. He's like, you know, you need to reach out to him. He's, you know, a, a, a great person. He's played all over Europe. You know, he's going to get you in contact with all these coaches because there's only so much Euro players can do. You know, I think Euro players is a great website that can get you started, but it's such a tight knit group over here in Europe that you really either need to know somebody, have a good reference, you know, come from a big school to really get your foot in the door. 
And while I was talking to Anders, you know, he said he had a great time in Italy. He just said, God, the food was so great. You should think about Spain a little bit. But he said, Matt, you know what? I, um, he said, I just finished my, you know, I moved back to Stockholm. I'm, I'm, I just, uh, I'm looking to play maybe one or two more seasons, but we're looking for an import kind of just like you. Can I give your name and contact to our coach, Frederick Pilbeck? And at this point I was just hungry for anything, you know, and, uh, he also gave it to Carlstead as well, my contact as well. And Carlstead actually offered me first and for the 2018 season. As soon as Peelback heard that, they sent me a contract as well. And so now, you know, I have to decide, am I going to go to Carlstead or am I going to go to Stockholm? You know, Carlstead has one of the best cultures here in Europe. Um, they have great tradition. They have a good, steady foundation. And I really appreciate about that. Um, Stockholm, they're, you know, kind of in a rebuilding era. You know, Peelbeck was, you know, had a great vision. You know, we're going to be the best team in 2025 and all in Europe. Um, you know, we're kind of just, we're, we need a guy like you to kind of help build us up. And I was thinking to myself, you know, Matt, you're not going to the NFL. You're coming over here to play Europe. You know, what are you looking to get out of this experience? And, and for me, you know, I'm looking to get an experience. And one of those was, you know, I've done, I didn't want to live in a small town because I've done that my entire life. Um, I've been a part of really good teams. I've never really been a part of like a, a, a true rebuild team or anything like that. And I think it came down to the relationship with Anders as well. You know, him being the quarterback and him giving me the contact that, you know, of course, you know, Cost that I thanked him so much for the offer, but I ended up choosing Stockholm for those certain reasons. And uh, my first season was, was actually in 2018. Oh, okay. So we um, we we had five teams in the league with Yotabori, Cost uh, at Orbru, Mean Machines, and Uppsala was also in the league. And we snuck into I think third place that year. You know, we lost. Uh, both times to Kalstad. We lost, I think, both times to Orbru, but we beat Uppsala, we beat uh, Boy, and we were able to slide into that third place spot playing Orbru for the semifinal. And for whatever what reason, our team kind of just lights it up in playoffs. Everyone, minds just switched and our defense truly stepped up. Our offense clicked at the right time. You know, we had Emil Knutsen at running back. Um, Anders at quarterback, you know, we had old ass Jesper playing left tackle for us. And it was just kind of, it was kind of like, um, you know, a backyard football kind of game where we kind of came together at the right time. And, and, you know, we went through a defensive coordinator change that year. Um, God, you know, I forgot who even started with it, but, uh, Carl, who's down with Tierra right now, he took over. And, you know, he just kind of rallied the troops up and we go in and play Carlstead for the final, um, which is kind of unbelievable. We're playing in stadium stadium um, and uh, no one expects us to win this game. Um, one of my former teammates at Southern Oregon University was actually playing for Carlstead. His name was Julius Rucker. He was obviously, oh. he was obviously wanting to play NFL. Didn't work out. I make the contact with Carlstead in Stockholm. I signed with Stockholm and he was like, Matt, you know, this Carlstead looking for a guy. So I got them in contact with each other and he ended up, you know, going to Carlstead for that season. 
one of the best athletes out there. You know, Julius is a really good guy and everything. And, you know, I'm not sure how, how his experience was, but, you know, just a really good ball player. Uh, I remember doing the warmups before the championship game and, you know, they're, I, I don't know who it was, but, you know, they're doing their a marriage proposal before the game. They're taking team photos before the game. And they're just like saying, well, you don't have a damn chance. Yeah. Like for, for the people listening, this was after calls to won what eight in a row. I think they'd won uh, at this you point. Yeah. 100%. Like it, it, celebrated then won the game. It, it was a foregone conclusion that Costa was going to win. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. And it, it took a lot of grit for sure throughout the season, but especially that championship game because, you know, Costa, like I said, with a team that has tradition, a team that has culture, they're not just going to show up and play a bad game. You know, they're coached very well. They have the athletes for, for a winning program. They have and, massive people for it, and, and we had we had a fight for it, and it, it was a it was a dogfight match for sure. You know, as a result, the game you know ended up in our favor. I think we end on you know our defense stepped up in the second half. Anders completed tremendous passes. Emil ran his ass off, and you know we were able to pull it off with a great victory. It was uh it was truly something special that year, just because it was kind of like a a ragtag kind of group that we were coming together, Stockholm's rebuilding. And then, you know, we kind of, you know, stole that one from Carlstead. Wasn't it the year Stockholm gathered every player from Tirlse, Uppsala, and not Uppsala, Åland, and put them in that team, kind of? Now, I don't know about the history before that, necessarily. I wasn't a part of the recruiting process during that year. Um, I know that we had several Stockholm guys. Um, I don't. I don't know where they came from before that. To be honest, because I know Joshua Akina played that year for Stockholm. I think he came after. He came in 2019. I ne- I've I never. Was, played. I the I super played. team was in 2019. Were you yeah. there? No. Okay. So there's more to the story. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I had a, you know, just a tremendous experience here in Stockholm, you know, living the import life is really something special. You know, you get a, you get a, your housing taken care of, you get a small salary on top of that and you get to just a game and around people who absolutely love the game of football. And I think that's really something special um, for those who have never lived in Europe being an import is that people play this game because they love it. You know, a lot of these national players, they're not getting paid to do this. And it really, it really takes a lot of effort and a lot of time out of their, you know, their marriages, their families, their school to make these practices, make these meetings and make these games while, you know, all having to, you know, pay the, you know, pay their way. And so that's something kind of special about European football is that there's so much love for the game here. Um, But no, I, uh, I had a great time uh, lifting, working out, going to practice, Fika, you know, this and that, having a midsummer celebration. Oh my God, that year was just phenomenal. It exceeded all expectations. And, you know, unfortunately on a player contract, we're only here on a six month visa. So at the end of the season, I do a little side trip with a friend I met and that was so much fun. And then I had to go back to the US and work the other half of the year. So uh, 
peel back offered me a contract for 2019. Um, I said, Oh, well, we'll peel back, you know, let's uh, let me get home first, you know, see my mom and dad and family before, you know, I start that. But I told them verbally that I was going to come back. Let's just, you know, pump our brakes for a little bit. Um, so back in the U S in 20, at the end of 2018, um, I, uh, I was coaching high school football again. I was uh, helping out at my high school, South Medford High School, as the receivers coach, and we had a, a tremendous group that year. You know, just a lot of great athletes, something really special. Um, and then I was working at a coffee shop at Dutch Bros Coffee. I was a barista. You know, you had to make some money as well. I was doing my training, but um, during that time, I met an American girl. Um, you know, who. Uh, who I really thought I really loved and everything, but um, kind of just leave out any of the details. Uh, I ended up making the rash decision of quitting American football and moving on with my life because I know you can't play this game as long, you know, as you want to, you know, golf, you can play that until you're 70 or 80, but with American football, you know, your, your time's very limited. Yeah. And, you're definitely, definitely on a clock in football. Yeah. And I kind of got to start thinking, God, well, what am I going to do, you know, once I'm all said and done? And, you know, I thought this was the right time to kind of step away, you know, just came off a championship uh, at my college. We won a national championship. So it's like nothing to hang my, you know, something good to walk away from. Um, so I moved to Portland, Oregon uh, to be closer to her. I have family up there and I started working in insurance. I was uh with uh, Propel Insurance, uh, with commercial sales, kind of like, uh, you know, fire, theft, you know, you name it, cybersecurity. And it was a really good position with a really great company. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Portland. You know, I think it's good to visit there, but to live there, it kind of, it kind of, it didn't grow on me at all. What's uh, wrong with poor Portland? <laughs> Giving like, Portland a bad rap out here. <laughs> it's like, you know, any other city, they have their problems. But it's uh, downtown Portland is just kind of gone a little bit nasty. Um, there's graffiti everywhere. Windows are all boarded up. They have a huge homeless problem, which is just horrible. Um, but people are kind of slowly moving out to the suburbs, Beaverton, uh, Clackamas, Happy Valley, and it's unfortunate because when you go to a big city, you kind of want to be like, oh, I want to be able to walk freely and feel safe and not see some homeless guy peeing on a Nordstrom building or the Nike Nike building or something like that. And it kind of leaves a, a sour taste in your mouth because both my parents lived in Portland for, you know, I don't know how long. And they would always talk about how great it was. The Blazers are there. They have the Portland Timbers, which is an MLS soccer team. And they have a lot of good things but they have some things that they can you know for sure work on um yeah so once i realized or uh you know girlfriend and i split i don't like portland i was able to transfer back down to my hometown of medford oregon uh still working insurance now i'm coaching back again at my high school as a jv head football coach um great program. The head coach is Bill Singler. He's been there forever. And, you know, he's really turned that program around. Um, I'm sitting in my office one day uh, during COVID, COVID season. So Super Series got pushed back to, I think, uh, July, September, kind of later in the season. And I'm keeping in touch with some of the guys and everything and peel back. And, 
you know, they ended up losing that final. And I'm just like, God, you know, I'm. I don't oh, know. That, yeah, that, that was the Obuyo year where they finally got one. Exactly. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I, I felt bad, you know, that they lost it because they were undefeated up to that point. And I still felt like I could still be playing, you know, this and that. And I was like, you know, man, I think I realized I made the worst decision of my life to quit and give it up. And at that point, I think it was like a thought in your head that continued to grow, grow, grow that I knew I just needed to pull the trigger. And I reached back out to the teams to peel back. And uh, after the season, coach, I'm sorry about the loss, you know, but I think I made a horrible mistake quitting the football team uh, and retiring. Is there any way you can ever take me back anyway? <laughs> you know, and he said, okay, for sure, Matt, you know, I'll, I'll think about it, but you know, we'll be in touch. So I don't hear from for about a week. And, you know, I don't know if anyone knows this, but this might be a good time to talk about it. It's fine. Um, Carl down at Tirsa and Nora Gore were talking to me about it while Tirsa was kind of rebuilding as well when he got the head coaching job is that they wanted me to come to play for them for the division one team. And I think we have a great relationship and everything. And they heard I wanted to get back into the game and, you know, and then, Peelbeck came back with the response saying, sure, Matt, what do you want? And I said, to be honest, I just want a plane flight back to Orlando. You know, I'll be the water <laughs> boy, I'll be the cheerleader, you name it, just get me back to Sweden, you know. Um, unfortunately, with Tirsa, they were in the Division One series in 2021, and, you know, they were able to put up with, put a, an apartment for me, this and that. But it wasn't about it wasn't about the money or anything. I just wanted to come back to Sweden and compete. And I wasn't I didn't want to go down to the division one just because I knew you had to do a little bit more extra, you know, rebuild and everything. And I felt like I had a legacy to continue on at Stockholm. So, you know, no hard feelings at all. I think both those guys know and this day. Um, so I come back to Stockholm in 2021. After I quit my job, I get right back into training and everything. And and that's where we kind of have a, um, you know, a post-COVID year. So we're kind of back in the recruiting part. And as soon as I landed back in Stockholm, you know, of course, it's football. We see, get a, see, see, we did, didn't the season get delayed again? <laughs> it, did, it did a little bit, for sure, just with everything going on. But as soon as I got back, I was like, I'm not making the same mistake twice and having to go back to the U.S. after the season. So I started job searching right away. You know, I'm doing I'm doing football. I'm doing trainings. But, like, I'm updating my LinkedIn. I'm trying to reach out to people. What can an English-speaking, you know, business degree guide kind of get, this and that, and so it was kind of like my side project throughout that 2021 year. And then, you know, the rest is history. I've been here since. I uh in International Ingesa Skolan, IES, uh, International School here in Sweden, uh, RISNE. Um, because I don't have a teaching degree, they weren't able to hire me on as a teacher. Um, I could, so they were able to provide me a, as a as a substitute teacher. Um, in Svenska, how do you say it? Vikare? Yeah. 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 Uh, a, a substitute. Yeah. So I've been working there since. Um, I've been, I've been honored, uh, very honored uh, last season or last, last fall to be asked to be a part of the Lanslaget team, the national team. 
BD Kennedy reached out to me, said, Matt, I would love to have you as the receivers coach. And I thought, you know, what an honor to represent a country, you know, that you're living in. And, you know, it was, it, I, I still truly believe, you know, Sweden has such an untapped American football potential here that, you know, I just want to help continue to grow. So you are the, co- the receiving coach and the national team. Are you going to pick me up? Let's give you my stats. My stats. I know. I know. Zero we had drops. To, we, had make, we had to make some cuts here and there and everything. Zero yeah. drops. Average yeah. 15 yards a catch. Yeah. <laughs> just just going to say that. I well, only played three plays, but still, zero yeah. drops. That's a good thing. You know, we're in the reevaluation period right now, so I'll put you down on the list. Okay? I'm, I'm a D lineman. I was joking. I, I played receiver three plays. I gave the, our head coach so much headaches. He told me, like, yeah, just jump in and shut up. Yeah, we, we were. That's there. The stats there. Yeah, we we were playing one of these meaningless uh, final game of the regular oh, season. The standings can't be changed or anything. So, yeah. and we were leading by a lot. So the co- coach was like, "Ah, screw it, just send aside and there, go go play slot." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and he and he actually got a pass. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You never see more hyped sideline than when I do some random shit like that. I can only imagine. I can only imagine that. But the funny thing is, the camera died after I caught the ball. No. Nobody has the tape of that play. No, oh, we, that's that just means we gotta get you another catch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think there's any proof of Osaid ever catching uh, a football in besides Division Josh, One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you exactly do for stock? You do so much, Desmond. Like I see your picture on everything they post. Like, yeah, we got a special team kicker. We we got a long snapper, Matthew. Yeah. Hey, um, he he even played quarterback in the playoffs. I heard a few years ago. What what went on there? So yeah, so I think you know we can go back to Pop Warner days. And Pop Warner days, I started as a running. Love juking people, get into the sideline and going. But once I got to middle school, um, it's funny, you know, I remember Coach Keck, he uh, he was our middle school football coach, PE teacher, this and that. He put me as a third string, third string running back. You know, he was looking for the fastest guy and wasn't the fastest guy on the team. Put me at third string running back and everything. That kind of humbled me a little bit. But that was that was at the point where like Wes Welker was becoming a big deal with his route running. He's a, you know, an H back, a slot back and that was kind of like the new thing to kind of come about. I was like, well, shoot, maybe I should switch, you know, positions. So my freshman year of high school, I started playing wide receiver, um, you know, being able to work on my craft routes running, you know, when the ball is in your hands, obviously, you know, you got to make something happen. So here for Stockholm, that's my main position as, as a wide receiver, um, special teams. I I'm on punt return, kick return, um, uh, Coach Peelbeck is trying to sneak me on kickoff or punt every now and then. I'm just like, Coach, Jesus, you know, give me a water break, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in that 2021 season, um, we had a tough time with uh, our quarterbacks that year. And um, it was a condensed season. It was a shortened season, unfortunately. Um, but I had to play quarterback for – Two games. It was the the semifinal against Carlstead and then the final against Orbro. But um, unfortunately, our quarterback that we wanted that year at the beginning, he was finishing up his league in Spain. We were trying to get Chris Merchant, 
who's a, a Canadian quarterback who was playing in the championship down in Spain. And unfortunately, you know, I was, or, you know, throughout his, his, his season there, I was having zoom calls with them, kind of getting him up to date with our, our, um, our offense because we lost the coordinator that year as well. Um, you know, Fred, Fred Armstrong, you know, Swedish European legend. He got an offer to be the Leipzig, Leipzig Kings head coach and ended up leaving, you know, kind of not short notice, but, you know, said, guys, you know, this is an opportunity I can't pass up. And we totally understand that. But that left us kind of as an offensive coordinator. We didn't have a position to fill with that much time left. So I told Coach Peelbeck, Peelbeck, I have a system. Let's get on it right now. You know, let's just, you know, get through the season and kind of reevaluate and you know, OC for next season. So I was having calls, Zoom calls with Chris, get him caught up on the pass game, run game. While he still finished up his Spanish season, um, we were super excited to have him on. But unfortunately, in his championship game, he blows he blows out his knee. And this was two weeks, I think, two weeks before um, our first game. So we needed two weeks to find another quarterback to you know get a fight and brought over. And he gave us a reference to a guy named Brett Hunchuk, and uh, he's another Canadian guy. And we were able to do two weeks of zoom calls uh, while still practicing with our guys um, and got over. And I think we want, we won our first game against Carlstead that, that year. And, you know, he comes rolling off the plane. I think he got two practices in with us and kind of like one of those, like, you know, how did we do it? I don't know. We just can't, you know, there's nothing you can do, you know, you go home. Um, and then, uh, Unfortunately, some some things went down where he had to end up going back to Canada that year, right before our last game against Uppsala for the regular season. So we had Uppsala semifinal final. And then in our Uppsala game, we brought in a flag football champion, one of the best here in Sweden. His name is Philip, Philip Smith. Uh, I think he plays for the Uppsala flag football team, but we brought him down. Um, he was there with the 2018 team. You know, he has a hell of an arm. Um, and we were just looking to, you know, get up a few scores and then end the game and get out. And during that time, um, those two weeks, I was installing all Wildcat stuff. Um, I wasn't, you know, I love Phil to death and he, he knows that I probably gave him the hardest time in practice and, you know, he is so resilient, so mentally tough to put up with me, you know, shout out to Phil for putting up with my bullshit, but I wasn't going to have him play in a semifinal against Carlstad. I wasn't going to, you know, give that to him or anything. So throughout those two weeks, I was putting in a wildcat offense. Um, we knew, I know I can't throw the ball that well, and I'm sure Carlstad knew somewhat we were going to do something, you know, different. We weren't going to have Phil play. Uh straight wildcat and our game plan was was we were going to keep the ball out of their hands and win the time possession game and and as long as we were up or tied with them the advantage was for us because on our offense we knew we had to do our job and hold the ball and keep the ball their offense and if we scored that's a bonus our defense had the tougher job because we put a lot of pressure on them to stop their offense um in that in that game um and it was like a low scoring game i think it was like six seventeen to 16 or something like that um 
but we ran a wildcat offense. I think I threw the ball four or five times. And when I say throw the ball, I'm throwing a screen. I'm throwing a hitch. And I did throw, <laughs> get this. So like we're on our last drive. I don't know. This is probably, you know, my confidence in my ear, you know, whatever. We're in the huddle. And they're now putting 10 guys in the box. And obviously. Of course they are. You, you've only hard. run it three times. <laughs> that's hard to, hard to run the ball with. And we had an import named Dario that year who, you know, he's a good dude, really great athlete. He was like, Matt, just throw me the ball. Just throw me the ball. If I was like, well, if I was a receiver too, I'd be saying the same thing. So I took a, you know, a, my best three-step drop and, you know, throw him a corner or a fade or whatever. And I ended up throwing a pick that game. <laughs> and I was, and this was, this was like to, and, you know, defense at me shaking their head. They're like, well, Matt, we'll go get you another stop and we'll put this game to rest. And, you know, we ended up sneaking that one from Carlstead too. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a full team effort that we we had a game plan. Um, the guys bought into that game plan. Um, defense stepped up when they needed to. And then guys on offense made plays when they had to. And we were able to make it to the season. And you guys, it was this this year, right? When you killed uh, the We're still in 2020. No. That was, so I had to so. So now Orbru has film on us of me playing Wildcat. Um, you know, I talked to a few of those guys. Uh, you know, I like to think I have good relationships with certain guys on different teams. And they're like, Matt, to be honest, we're super surprised. We were watching that game and, you know, we, we were preparing for call. And, and now they had to, you know, they had a film on us for Wildcat. Um, we only had on film on what they did and, you know, it was um, it was kind of going to be the same game plan. We were going to keep the ball in our possession as long as we could. Um, defense is what's going to have to step up. Um, but unfortunately, um, first half uh, was going our way. Um, we did miss one touchdown scoring opportunity. Um, we could have kicked a field goal. We ended up going in on a fourth down in, in the red zone area. Um, uh I threw a pass. It might have been overthrown. Our guy might not ran and got it. Um, but it was either it was three points or seven points that we lost on the board in the first quarter. And and that was hard, but there's nothing you can do about it. But we were leading, I think, in halftime. It was either 14 to 13 or something like that, seven to six, something like that. But we were leading, gonna get the ball in the second half. And that's right in the position where we wanted to be. Remember, I said if we're even. Or if we're up by a score, that's where it's our advantage because um, we want to hang on to the ball. Unfortunately, you know, you guys in the game of football, it's such a unique thing that, you know, there's three phases of the game. It's offense, defense, and special teams. And we lost the spot. We lost the special teams battle that game. Um, they come out and do, do a, a tremendous onside kick. Um, one of our guys muffs it a little bit and they get the ball in the second half right away. Now, this is not going in our favor. Our defense is now just now on the field, come out of halftime thinking that we're going to drive down again. Um, and they get put out there. And Orbu, I think, scores uh, with their quarterback, Trevor. Trevor is a hell, hell of an athlete, great arm. And, you know, I think he was so determined that game that he wanted, he was going to win that championship game that he really balled out. Um, so as soon as they got the within three or four plays, um, throwing the ball, passing the ball. 
And now we're playing from behind. And that was not where we wanted to be at, at all because now we're not only playing from behind, but we're now fighting against the clock. And that takes a lot of our game plan thrown out the window because now we're trying to rush the huddle. We're no longer counting the play clock down to five seconds. And, you know, one thing led to the next, as soon as, you know, we get a stop or they stopped us, we had to punt the ball. They would move the ball down and we're still behind. And, you know, long story short, they ended up getting that one, but, you know, rightfully so, you know, that's why you got to play all phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. Yeah. Strategically, if you, if you essentially don't have a pass game, then uh, you don't want to end up in a situation where you're chasing chasing a game. Like like one one possession down can work, but then you have to go get the score. Yeah. But it, if you ever go two scores down in that situation, you're you're kind of screwed. No, exactly, exactly. I think uh, you know their their coaching staff kind of realized that was our that was our game plan. Um, they figured it out really quickly, and you know. It was kind of like an oh shit moment where, okay, we had to pass the ball a little bit more than we wanted to. We rotated. I went back to receiver, I think, in the fourth quarter, trying a guy with a better arm out. And, you know, as soon as you're changing things, you know, fourth quarter game planning, there's only so much plays you can drop in the dirt to uh, get you out of a situation like that. And they ended up, I think, winning by, I think, 14 or 21 points that game. But, yeah, yeah. Orobro kind of deserved it that year. They have lost to Colsta in the finals like 18 different times. So I think it was their, their time to show. Well, without a doubt. And I think, you know, they had they had a good variety. You know, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know all the guys that I just know a few. I think they had a great variety of experienced older guys who were, you know, on their, you know, last season or they have two seasons left. But Orbu does such a great job at recruiting younger guys and even new guys to the game that they were kind of assembling at the right moment. They have really good young receivers and some older receivers. They have a good offensive line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. The quarterback is a giant. I think they have a goal goal mine there. You know, they have the university, Orbu University. Um, Carl State University isn't too far from there where they can pick some guys up as well but i think you know what's a benefit um having a team in a small town kind of like that is that uh it makes it a lot convenient or more practices um show your product show your brand and that's one thing i kind of wish you know american football was here in stockholm you know with tirsa um aik um tabby stockholm machines it was like you know i wish we could just get the the word out a little bit more about what's going on. So kids um, have that another opportunity or another option to play as a sport. Um, I think, I think it's great that uh, I think it's Seymour. Seymour is broadcasting the NFL games. So people can watch it. They see it. You know, every time I go out, I'm that loud American in the bar and they always ask, what do you do? I'm like, well, I play American football here. You know, I think it's that exist. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, and it can, it could be that conversation or be a conversation where like, Oh, I knew someone who played, you know, growing up or something like that. But I think, you know, building a culture, building team starts with the youth. It, it really does. It really does. And all, you know, 
got to have good coaches. You got to have a good organization. Got to be organized. And and when you have that, kids want to be a part of something like that, and you know want to either go to the U.S. and play college ball, or you know go be an import in Germany, or go play in the ELF, this or that. And you know we want to make it have guys and kids know that there's options out there for them. No knock on Stockholm, but they're really terrible recruiting kids. Like you could ask 15 people in Stockholm on the random streets. They barely know football. Yeah. And I think Kijuansta, I know it's, it's a really like small town, but Kijuansta, the good thing is everybody knows that somebody who plays and knows of the team. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that Stockholm can do a better part on that. And I've helped out with our youth programs a little bit and, you know, I talked to some of the kids and, you know, the kids are playing three, four different other sports, you know, and when they think of American football, they think, of course, it's another option, but they would rather go to another practice rather than American football practice. And then, you know, time will tell they ended up, you know, choosing one sport over the other and then they end up quitting before, they, before they realize they could be even something special. Yeah, but if you're good decent enough athlete in sweden you could have gotten paid in soccer at age 16 or 17 already yeah yeah like all you're not making money for a bunch of years i think i think yeah. that'll be i think that'll be a constant rivalry among sports you know of course you know soccer might is the biggest sport here in sweden um hockey's up there handball um but it's, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this i was at the gym today and um, a guy came up to me, asked me about what I was doing for my workouts. What did I do here? And he is the U15 national team coach for basketball. And, 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 and we are having the kind of the same conversations in the same yeah. thought that we are competing with these other sports that kids are interested in because they don't know that it's out there. And, 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 it's kind of amazing just, you know, that they just don't have that other option. And he was just saying, you know, we're getting the word out there via social media, you know, word of mouth, this and that, but there's a, again, even with basketball and on top potential, there really is. Yeah. I mean, in Sweden, the, the higher status sports that they are soccer, handball, uh, ice hockey, ice hockey, especially if you're in the North, but like, these sports just pull so many athletes. And one of the big problems we have here is that our, our sports don't exactly allow is the wrong word, but it's not very convenient for kids to do multiple sports here because you don't know if practices are going to be overlapping. They're going on during the same season of the year. So it's very difficult to get kids out for multiple sports. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think to add to that as well, um, not just publicity coming from the team, but like uh, the news channels, you know, you're only seeing so much, you know, word on the news about the NFL NFL playoffs or conference championships. Um, you're not seeing it in the news articles as much, or you're not seeing billboards of American football. I think I've seen only one commercial that they kind of made fun of like uh, an American football kind of game or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's just not seen. If you're not seeing it, then you're not thinking about it. One issue we have, I believe in Kijuansta is our handball team is ranked in Sweden pretty highly. 
Okay. Like the handball team is Kwanzaa Predict. And the women's soccer team is playing in the Champions League. So we are playing like third string to there with the sponsors and commercials and everything. Jeez. Okay. All right. I don't know why Kwanzaa has such a good sports program. You guys compete down there. Yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah. And, and we we do these uh, recruiting efforts. I'm involved in it right now where we do a school tournament for uh, the, yeah, what is it? What's middle schoolers, the seventh through ninth graders here? Yeah. We, we do a tournament between schools and I'm out working with it right now. But one thing I've noticed in the past working with this tournament is that there are many kids who think football is fun. They're interested. They have a lot of fun during this tournament we put on for the schools, but many of them just can't start playing football because they're what one of the best uh, handball players in Skåne or they're playing soccer uh, and gunning for uh, division one in soccer or whatever. So it, it, it's really, it's really a shame that we can't get these guys out to do multiple sports. Yeah. I think, I think you're onto something there. Um, you know, at the school, like I said, I, I'm, I'm a substitute teacher and, you know, of course, Idrots or, or PE is one of those subjects where I cover lessons for, and of course, I'm going to take advantage of that and, you know, roll the, football, <laughs> roll the footballs out there and see what's happening. And quick story for you guys. Um, this past fall, um, I was covering an eighth grade class and the unit was flag football. And, you know, knowledge requirements were, you know, catching, throwing, juking, this and that, you know, all kind of fell under American football. So I just took it as an opportunity to, you know, bring my knowledge to it. You know, guy, you know, of, of course. They were like, oh, Mr. Retzloff, we just want to play soccer, this and that. I'm like, guys, just give it a shot. You know, let me let me coach some things a little bit, help you get organized and then see what happens. And and you'd be surprised that these guys started from not wanting to participate to getting more into it. And I kid you not, by the end of a two hour lesson, um, they were structuring their own team, you know, 10 on 10, seven on seven, this and that, and playing a complete match. And, and what, and what that reminded me of was, you know, when I was in elementary school, we would get 20 minute recesses. And throughout those 20 minutes, you had to pick two team captains. You had to pick your teams and then play a game. And I kid you not during that moment where I was done teaching, I said, you guys, you know, do what you guys want. Um, we have, you know, 20 minutes left. I rolled out balls, footballs, this and that. And they wanted to continue playing football. They picked their teams. They might've not been following all of the rules, but yeah, you know, they were playing flag football, but they were trying to tackle everybody. And I just, <laughs> I just thought to myself, I'm like, God, you know, they want to play. They do. They just, it's just, it hasn't clicked to them just yet. Yeah. What, what, I was a kid i i think it was a seventh grade i just brought my football to school several days and one of the eighth graders just went hey throw me the ball i was like uh okay <laughs> a kid i never really talked to before and a few, a few months later we've got that kid plus two more who started playing football suddenly three three more kids uh from my school started playing football and my school was like a 25 minute drive from the town the football team was in, but I still got a few kids to come out essentially just by bringing a football to class. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, you guys, I might be biased, but I truly believe a hundred percent that American football, football is is the best sport in the world. Um, it's for everybody. Everybody can play. Multiple it's reasons. It, it brings together people from different backgrounds. You have to work together as a team. Not saying you know basketball is different. Obviously, it's team sports. But take being an offensive lineman example um being an offense alignment is this job or unselfish position in almost all sports it's the only position where at the start of the play your back is to the ball you don't know what's going on you're physically trying to create opportunities for others without touching the ball and and you're you have to work together it's just like you know, you know, you're not going to touch the ball. You, you're not going to get the headline in the paper, this or that. And it's just like, it's, it takes a lot of character to play those certain positions. And, and it's hard to, it's hard to share that to someone who's never played the game before, who's never watched it, but until they get into it, they realize, wow, this is bringing us together. That's unity. It's family. And, and it's, it's really something special. Yeah, we we all we always call it the the ultimate team game yeah, because you need that. you you need so many different types of uh, athletes out there to be able to succeed, and you, you you can't you can't win in football as an individual. You have to play as a team. Uh, After you're thirteen, you need kind of a good team. I mean, you're thirteen, I think you can have one fast dude. I think that goes back to talking about, you know, if, you know, going back to the ELF stuff, you know, or even, you know, super series or GFL is you need the national players because you can't bring in the best NFL guy. You can't bring in this or that and think he's just going to win the game for you. You need all 11 guys on the field to come together to make something happen. Yeah. I believe in Sweden here, football have dropped like a lot. Like ten years ago, there were so many more teams than it's now. Yeah, like in 2015, I think there were like ten or eleven Division One teams. I don't know how many Super Series teams. Yeah, I think we had a team in Murrum for Christ's sake. It's a village smaller than my finger on the map. Hopefully, it comes in waves, and you know, you just hope the organization, uh, SWE Three, is doing everything that they can to you bring it back up to where it's at. But um, there's, like I said, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, obviously, financials are a huge part. Um, participation is a huge part. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good questions probably for uh, another interviewee. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure about the raw numbers, what the statistics are like, but I I'm pretty sure that there's been a general decline among men and youth players, and a slight increase in the number of women participating. But that's the only area where there's an increase at all. If I'm right about the numbers. Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. You know, it's kind of interesting as well, like in the U.S. right now. And I think in Europe, flag football is starting to pop up a little bit. And you're starting to see, you know, professional leagues in the U.S., you know, playing flag football. And, you know, it's growing here in Europe, you know, in in South America, North America, this and that. And I think that's a good 
gateway into the sport. You know, it's it's not much contact at all. You're still working on the the skills of juking, dodging, throwing, catching, defending. Um, but I think once you kind of, if you can introduce a 10-year-old or an 8-year-old to flag football, then I think that can be a pathway into the sport as well. But you need the you need the the coaches for it. You need the organization for it. You need a lot to do it. I think this year is the year of handball because fo- soccer in Sweden is king. You cannot touch it. Not even yeah. it. I think this year handball is going up because of Sweden being a part of the VM and stuff. Yep, right. <clears throat> that, that finished this weekend, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, the handball, the year of handball. So a lot of kids will start playing handball instead of American football. <laughs> so we need one big spark in American football in Sweden. Yeah, we need I, something uh, like the ALF is a good is... thing. Yeah, because it gives them like a a goal. Because the NFL is pretty hard really hard for european but they left like yeah there's a european league okay this it's it's a closer goal right 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 <laughs> yeah it uh it kind of i think kids want to you know obviously play for the the highest competition that they can get to and elf for sure gives them that offer but i think you know if you ever heard of you know the rig academy I think I think Rig is doing a tremendous job at taking in what we have here in Sweden, especially at that age. You know whether or not a, a, a Swedish sixteen-year-old has uh, to go to high school and play American football, or go to Rig, which is in your back door, which has a great coaching staff, great facilities, and and someone who actually cares about the development of their game. And, you know, you can kind of see they're developing the players and sending them off to universities in the U.S. And, and not just that, you know, they're sending guys off to the ELF. You know, they're sending guys off, you know, left and right. And they're doing an excellent job. I think right now, this weekend, they did their combine. Um, so I'm kind of excited to hear how that went and everything with their players. Kind of do, combine. Uh, you get the freakish athlete. You get a 15-year-old who benches like 130. Like, why? Yeah. What do they feed you at home? No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So before we uh, let you go here, we have we have a few questions that we like to ask all of our guests. So I think we'll get to those now. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the first one, what is your favorite football concept? This can be basically anything. Maybe a uh, run concept, a pass concept. I think yeah. my I think my favorite concept is the bubble screen. A bubble screen. I'm, I respect that. Um, I think I think for certain reasons, I think you know it goes back to my receiver coach at my unit, and he always talked about you know playing unselfish football and being wide receivers. Wide receivers, those guys, wide receivers are most known for being very egotistic kind of guys. I want the ball, throw me the ball. And you got to have that kind of mindset and got to kind of have that attitude. But when you're throwing a bubble screen to one of your teammates, it's away from the offensive lineman. So you can get the ball off without having to worry about the O-line blocking. 
it's it's you and your wide receiver teammates blocking for each other trying to get a first down or a touchdown and you know it takes a lot of grit to do it you know it's not easy blocking as a receiver it's not easy blocking big outside linebackers for sure you know and it, but, but the 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 reward is is if you can get around the edge you're getting a long gain or if or, or if not a touchdown so i think uh i think that's my favorite concept nice what is your favorite football uniform my favorite football uniform oh god um your shirt now my give no we're not football? we're not gonna bring the shirt up uh both my <laughs> for those wondering i'm wearing a university of oregon duck uh shirt um both my parents went to Oregon State. All my uncles went to Oregon State. So I grew up in Oregon State Beaver, and I, I love them to death and everything. Um, I had a few friends go to the University of Oregon to play football and basketball, and this is kind of like a hand-me-down, a basketball hand-me-down for one of my family friends. His name was EJ Singler, and EJ was probably one of the best uh, – I'm just being biased, but he was probably one of the best basketball players to go through Oregon. But he, he loaned it to me, and uh, I think it's a comfortable shirt and everything, but – Obviously, University, <laughs> University of Oregon does have some flashy uniforms, but God, you know, um, not to knock not to knock Stockholm, but I think we can upgrade our uniforms for sure. So we, we've been so we've been not, saying that for a while here. I've been roasting <laughs> Stockholm's uniforms for like a year now. Yeah, it's not the new <laughs> uniform. That's for that's it's like for a Pepsi sure. bottle. Yeah, no, we, we need to we need to work on it just a little bit. But um, I think I think God. That's a good question. I think traditionally speaking, I really love the USC Trojans uniform. I think, okay. I think, I think they're very original. Um, the crimson is beautiful and, and the, the gold and I don't know, it kind of just stands out, but it kind of just brings a lot of, um, I don't know, intimidation a little bit because you know, everyone's going to be dressed the same. They're not going to change the, anything up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'll go with SC. Sporting, you never know what they will pull out. No, not at all. Not at Some all. Some day they're pinks. Other day they're like lime green. Some... Yeah, yeah. I had a, a, a former player who in high school. Um, his name is Chase Coda. Chase is a wide receiver there. He just finished up his senior year there. And I would follow him, his stuff on Instagram and everything. And the, the, the uniform combinations they would come up with is just unbelievable. And, and obviously swag and is super important to, you know, have that attitude, this and that. But I think as a player, you kind of just have to block that out because that cannot be a distraction, you know, and I, but that's, that me being speaking, I think everyone who knows me uh, closely knows I'm probably the least swaggiest player out there. <laughs> I think the most swag I've ever done was in college where I would do like um, wrist tape. But even even now, I kind of got rid of that. So, don't talk to me about swag. I'm not. I'm not even. Do you swag. wear a T-shirt under your jersey and you, the sides show? Uh, no, no, I don't do. That. Thank I, God. I, I, my, I wear I wear high socks uh, or my Nike socks. Um, um, I tuck my jersey in, and that's about it. <laughs> so no sleeves. No no gridiron's Europe sleeve. No, 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 no. Um, People go go order your uh, Gridirons of Europe gear on uh, contactsports.se. Yeah. You can get a sleeve, sleeve or a skull wrap. Yeah. Or a towel. Do you even or wear a, a nice towel? towel? 
<laughs> if it if it's raining, maybe, but no, no towel. No. Come on. Swag. I'm gonna get a lot of shit <laughs> too. They're like, yep, yep, no swag. Matt's got no swag. Okay, the second, the, this is a two-part question. Yeah. What is the least skillful position of football? The least skillful position. You can um, bring a random schmuck on the street and he will do okay job. So without him being like physically fit or anything? Just a normal guy. Um, I would say you could probably teach a guy to, to long snap. I think, I, think, I think you can teach a guy to long snap, to snap the ball through his, uh, you know, through his legs. It would be on the holder to get the ball down. You know, obviously that ball might fly left, right, this and that. But as long as like you can get the holder to get the ball down quick enough where the kicker is going to kick the ball, I think you can get by getting a Joe Schmo to snap something through his legs. Matt, I think you're the first one to answer uh, long snapper on uh, for this question, and, and I like it. Yeah, actually, like I'm reconsidering my answer because long snapper is pretty easy. Or you guys a curveball just for that, but uh, hopefully I don't get shit for it. But one of my college roommates was our long snapper, so he'll probably call me up. <laughs> make make sure he uh, listens to the episode. Yeah, sorry, Dan. You know I love you. He's got a wedding coming up. I don't understand why NFL teams literally pay long snappers. Who's that? Say that again. Why do NFL teams pay long snappers? Well, I think because, you know, games for sure in the NFL get decided by the kicking game. And at that point. Tell that to Dallas. No, at that point point of professionalism, you know, with the amount of uh, freak athletes in the league is milliseconds are so critical and so important. So, of course, the long snappers will get an NFL contract. Um, not exactly sure on the how much they get. I actually had a kid from or, or from the state of Oregon who did a time with the Pittsburgh Steelers as a long snapper. Uh, another close friend who did a time with the Minnesota Vikings. And, and I worked, did a few workouts with him. And he would always talk about, you know, where the lace is up, where the lace is, where was the ball placement, this and that timing their snaps but i think it, you know it's critical in in that profession that snapping the ball has to be perfect because yeah. you have guys running 4240s getting around the edge or you know 65 you know giants getting up in the air trying to block the ball so i think you know timing is so important so i think that's why they probably get those contracts and and I'm 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 assuming that they get paid like essentially whatever is the league minimum for uh, if they're a veteran or a rookie. A hundred percent. I think I think both guys that I've known uh, to long snap in the league, um, you know, they were of course great individuals with really great character. They were athletic and really cared about their job. Was I think they got to the point where you know they did their time in the league four or five years until they got the what do you say? The retirement, uh, the, the past, the rookie contract, this and that. But, um, no, they, uh, yeah, they did a good job. And I, you know, I'm not sure how much they made, but I think you can make a connections. Because you can practice long snapping for a while. Like how many days a week do you have to practice long snap? 
Every well, day, man. Every yeah, day. I like to I like to compare a lot of things to the sport of basketball. And just like shooting a free throw, you know, yeah, you can do that's that. A, that's a good that's a good comparison. You can do that all day long and really perfect that craft where in any sort of scenario or situation, um, you know you're gonna knock this down. And I and I do this reference with catching the football as well. Is like you're gonna do the same thing over and over again. And no matter what situation you've done this a thousand times, uh, you should not worry about the situation catch the ball regardless. So same thing with professional basketball players or, you know, college basketball players, any basketball player shooting a free throw, you should have that mentality where I'm going to repeat, 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 have a thousand times repetition where I'm going to have it on the back of my hand. So the second part of the question, what is the most skillful position in football? Wide receiver, of course. Not biased. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Biased. Um, the most skilled. That's a hard. I would, I would have to say either corner as a defensive back, or as an interior defensive end, or or somewhere on the D line, because the only reason I say this is because when you're playing on defense, is, you know, you have a game plan, and everything, but at the end of the day, you have to react to what the offense does. And reaction is such a skill set to have. And, you know, we're talking milliseconds is that is that you have to be great with your hips. You have to great, be great with your eyes. You have to be have a strong core to be able to react with guys who are just as athletic, athletic as you, but are running full speed at you. You know, huge respect to the corners playing one-on-one -on -one coverage against Jamar Chase. You know, huge respect <laughs> you know, corners out there going against Calvin Johnson when he played, you know, you. Don't you feel bad when they line up like a young kid against you? Like, don't you think like poor kid? Your <laughs> life to deserve this. I, I don't. I blame, I blame the defensive coordinator. I don't blame the kid at all. I or you see like two young DBs and you on this side and Alpha Jalo on the other side. Oh, no, you know. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Like, I mean, the one deep safety, the crying for help. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, we we that'd be another uh pop, you know, more football stuff, but yeah, yeah. Corner to answer your question, I think I'll give it to the corners. Corners is probably the most skillful set position. And that's a that, that's a popular answer as well. Your question, Andre. Yeah, the, the next question. Uh what is your favorite position in football, but you're not allowed to say your own position? I think quarterback is. <laughs> I think I think the one little taste I got in the 2020 so much fun. Um, you know, you're kind of like the, you know, being a quarterback, you're the leader of the team, you're the coordinator, you're directing traffic, this and that. And, you know, it's I it's mentally, it's one of the toughest positions mentally, but also, you know, you got to be a strong leader as well. Um, unfortunately my short term career as a quarterback, you know, lasted two games being a quarterback with, I'm, I'm five eleven, So that's about 180 centimeters. It's hard being a quarterback when you're that little. Cause I realized real quick, I can't see over my offense alignment <laughs> and the fact that they have to go back and set and read a defense, you know, it's like, 
it's like you're playing a video game, but in real life and guys are coming at you. But so, yeah, it, it, if you don't have experience playing quarterback, then trying to enter the lineup as someone who isn't taller than your offensive lineman, you'll, yeah. you'll struggle because that, that's a skill set in and of itself to be able to see without really seeing. Oh yeah. I have a, I have a huge appreciation for the position. Um, um, but yeah, it was like, it was like the adrenaline rush that you got though was just so much fun. I, I have, it felt good. Um, but you know, it probably won't happen again. <laughs> now another two part question. Yeah. Who's the best player you ever played against? Um, the best player I've ever played against. Should we keep it into Europe region so people know the player? Um, yeah, I'll give, pick give us two. one one outside of Europe, maybe, and one in Europe. Okay. Um, it's hard to say. Um, I would say in Europe, God, uh, everyone. I mean, everyone just brings skill set, of course. Um, God, you're really gonna put me on the spot. There was, um, I forget, I, I honestly don't know his name, but, you know, someone could probably put in the comments. But when I was in 2018, we had a an exhibition game in Helsinki, Finland. And they had a corner or a DB there. And I think he was Finnish. I think so. And he was just, you know, he was he was much bigger than I was. And he was able to get hands on me a little bit better. But it was even though it was an exhibition game, he still was able to, you know, make it very difficult for me to get down the field. I had, you know, and it was our first game with Anders. It was our first off game with uh, the Mean Machine, and I just remember just having a really tough time. And I don't know if it was because uh, he had a really good skill set or if it was just because it was our first games. But he, um, what what was that against the Roosters? Against the Roosters, it was our it yeah. was an ex it was an exhibition game, but another guy, it might not, it might not been against in a game, but several times I've gone up against William James in, in either, you know, seven on sevens, the yellow guy backyard footballs. And he's one of those guys who his reaction time is really good. He's a free. Um, I think he played division two football in the U S yeah. Um, we we we've had him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he was a really good matchup to play against as well. Um, you know, but obviously I'm looking for new competition out there, and I, I hope you know the Swedes, uh, the the defenders, the defensive backs in Sweden are hearing this, and I hope you guys hear this challenge. But you know, I want you guys to compete a little bit. You know, I think competition is one of the greatest things in 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 our in our lives, and you know, it's it's just you and you know to raise levels of competition can only make yourself better as well so yeah okay what's the best played against the best team i ever played against um any all time i would probably say uh it was my red shirt freshman year it was so it was my first year playing at southern oregon university we had a game against sac right? uh, and and it being it, it being my first season playing college ball i think we had one or two games before we went in played sac state and i think my confidence was getting a little bit bigger but i mean we're playing an fcs division one team um and or yeah 
and and they were intimidating you know nicest facilities southern oregon university has ever been to these guys out of the bay area are so if you know they are all super quick they're super fast they're great athletes um and they're playing at the level because rightfully so they should um uh, and sex sex state I, i'm not sure how far they went in the playoffs last year but in 2022 i'm pretty sure they were at least among the final four in the fcs playoffs yeah for for sure for sure i think you know they they got great talent in that area i think now they're starting to realize you know what i think when i played them it was in 2013 fall of 2013 so i i can't name any names who was on the sac state team but our team was very special that year and we had a very explosive offense and i was playing slot receiver for our offense that year um i had the opportunity to play with my older brother as well he was on the outside receiver and we went head to head with sac state and we took them to overtime it was a shootout kind of game i think it was like 63 something like that and they ended, up beating us. they ended up beating us in overtime but it was like one of those games where like you know it was a battle it was tough but it was like one blow we would you know we would take a shot they would take a shot we would take a shot and you know we had a really special team at southern oregon those those few years College overtime rules are the one of the best thing that ever happened to humanity. Yeah, uh, you talking about the Kansas plan where line the ball up on the twenty twenty five and you know let's roll. It looks so much fun. It's more like reasonable than NFL style. Yeah, yeah. has to decide your season. Yeah, I think you know if I think the NFL got away from that because offenses were too. And so if they if the NFL was going to do the same Kansas plan or as in college, they would just be scoring. The game would never end. It would, it would never 280 end. 280 to 235. Yeah, and, and imagine if that divisional round uh, last year when Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were just going back and forth at the end of the game. Imagine that in a college-style overtime. They'd just be scoring touchdown, 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 touchdown. Yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. They will yeah, break I mean, fantasy football. Of course, yeah, it'd be great for, you know, the viewers and the fans. But, you know, that's I think that goes back to one thing special about this game is that, you know, it's such a physical game. It's a mental, mentally draining as well. And you can't play it for the rest of your life. And, you know, I think the NFL realized that that we're not going to make this game three hours long or three and a half hours long. We're not going to add that much extra time to this game because these guys got to get ready in six or seven days for another one. So, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. I know the NFL is trying to, you know, fix the rules and correct things for the player safety, this and that. And, you know, just I think everyone needs to hold tight and, and understand that they do the best job that they can as well. And that's uh, that's all we have for you today, Matthew. Wow, well, this was great, you guys. I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for having me on. This has been really fun and you know, you guys keep on doing what you're doing. I think this is great, uh, great for American football, not just here in Sweden, but here in Europe and just helping get the word out as well. And, you know, so I just want to say thank you so much. And thank you for being on the program. And uh, thanks to all our listeners for uh, listening and supporting our podcast that way. Uh, please make sure to go on to contextsports.se and uh, order our merch. We're pushing it very hard now but you help this podcast by doing so 
Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. We appreciate having you on Matthew Retzlaff. Go follow our Instagram Instagram account. We're at Gridirons of Europe. Go follow our Twitter account. We're at Gridirons Europe. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Bye bye. Hasta la vista. <laughs>